You're listening to Discovering Multifamily, where we discuss all educational topics in commercial real estate with an emphasis on multifamily apartment investing via syndication. And now your hosts, former NFL fullback Brian Leonard and Anthony Scandariato. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Discovering Multifamily podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Scandariato. And today we have a very special guest here with us, John Kastman. And uh, John is a real estate entrepreneur who has partnered with many different business, busy professionals to invest in close to $90 million worth of apartment buildings. And uh, John also acts as a consultant to active multifamily investors to help them start or grow their existing business. He actually hosts um, his own show, Target Market Insights, which is a multifamily and marketing podcast, and is also the co-creator of the Midwest Real Estate Networking Summit which is a no-pitch event to connect like-minded investors. Um, So prior to becoming a full-time investor, John worked in the corporate world overseeing marketing campaigns for companies like General Motors, Nike, and Coors Light, um, all at the same time, you know, building his multifamily portfolio. So definitely want to hear more about your journey and how you got started, John. And today we're going to be focusing on exactly what we just said, multifamily plus marketing. So how do you build a brand? How do you, you know, whether it's raising capital, how do you position yourself to uh, brokers when you're looking for deals? What's the best way for someone newer or even someone um, who's done a few deals and has a decent amount of units under their belt and is looking to scale up to the next level? So, John, thanks for coming on the show. Anthony, thank you for having me on, man. I'm excited to talk to you today and uh, really happy to be here and talking to your audience. Great. Well, we're happy to have you. So, John, let's take it from the beginning. So what happened that in corporate America? <laughs> yeah, listen, you know, like many of your listeners, I was kind of taught that if you wanted to make it in America, you had to get a good, you know, go to school, get a good job and work that job until you retire. Right. And you stack away your money in a 401k or get a pension if, if you're old enough to, to have a pension and you work that job until you retire. And what happened for me was as I was early in my career, I really fell in love with marketing and communications. And as I progressed in my career, um, I was hired on the client side working at a large automotive company, General Motors. And um, for us, that was back in 2007 when I started at GM. And as you, you know, you know, 2008 came, the company had some financial challenges and ended up going into bankruptcy. Well, during that time frame, it was really tough working there just because we didn't know what was going to happen with our jobs. And I distinctly recall a day when we were finally found out that we were going into bankruptcy and they were going to do some more layoffs, which they had been doing a couple rounds of layoffs at this point. And I was told I was fine. You know, I was told not to worry about it. You know, hey, you're good. You're going to be here. And the next day they were going to do the layoffs. Well, the next day I come into the office and there's a red light on my phone. There's a message. And I'm sitting there looking at this mess, this red light. And I'm, I'm, you know, I've got all these emotions going through me. At first, I'm like, they told me I was fine. Here I am with this message. Oh, my goodness, they're going to let me go. And I waited about 20 seconds and let every emotion kind of rush through me. And as the fear started to settle down, I said, it's just a voice message. Who knows what it is? Let's just listen to it. I listened to the message and it was from one of my colleagues who had been let go. And he just stressed that he had been with the company for you know over two years, 20 years. 
And, you know, this was his livelihood. This is how he took care of himself. And he had some medical issues and he didn't know how he was going to take care of himself going forward. And two things happened for me when I listened to that voicemail. First and foremost, I felt empathy for my colleague who was in a situation and didn't know how he was going to get out of it. Second was I realized that just working a corporate job does not provide the security that I think many of us are believed uh, or believe that it does. You know, here I am working for one of the largest companies in the world and my job really isn't secure. This guy thought his job was secure. And after 20 plus years, his plan went up in flames. So at that moment, I realized, you know, I need to start investing with something on the side, building passive income, really having an alternative plan, whether it be, you know, for reasons that a company decides I'm no longer a fit, or if I just got to the point where I decided I wanted to take control of my free time and do the things that I wanted to do. So um, that kind of planted this notion of investing. Um, I didn't really lock into real estate, but as I started to do more and more research, real estate became the the vehicle that I was most interested in, multifamily specifically. So as I started to learn more, connect with other people, um, I actually left Detroit, moved to Chicago, uh, working at a job at an advertising agency. And at the same time, that's when I started to begin investing on the side, building up my own personal portfolio. That's an awesome story. So John, so you built up quite a sizable portfolio. Um, how did you, how did you do that? So you started out, you know, obviously, like you said, while you were working those jobs and that light bulb, you know, went in your head, um, you know, due to circumstances that you, uh, you know, saw that your, your peers were, you know, experiencing, especially what, even when they were later in life. Um, so I guess I understand why you wanted to invest into um, some sort of form that provides you passive income. Um, but I guess why, two questions, why multifamily and then how did you get to the first deal? Yeah, I mean, multifamily was one of those things that's been in the back of my mind for a long time. So like many people, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad a long time ago, and the concepts in that book certainly rang true, but I never got into a position where I could start just buying real estate. I was always moving, you know, I was changing jobs. I didn't want to be locked down. So it just didn't make sense to start buying real estate. But that moment when it happened, I kind of just had a flashback to the book and just thought about the principles in there and how you, in particular, there's a part where he talks about working to gain skills, not just for the paycheck. And at that moment, it said, you know what, let's try to leverage what we have, but also start to build something on the side. So multifamily was something that to me was tangible and it made sense. You know, I wasn't someone who felt like I could be a tech wizard or create some killer app or something like that. But, you know, real estate is tried and true for centuries. And multifamily in particular allows you to have some economies of scale. So as I read through that and the ABCs of real estate with Ken McElroy and uh, I mean, so many other books that are not in the Rich Dad uh, series, you know, it just kind of allowed you to really recognize that there's plenty of opportunities to grow and make money in real estate. So that helped me go down that path as I started to meet other people going to RIAs, things like that, who were actually doing it. That made it real for me. And the first investment we made was a two unit, which we house hacked up in Chicago. So we lived in one unit, rented out the other unit. And that allowed us to really start to minimize our expenses while also building equity and some cash flow. Um, from there, as we scaled our portfolio, really the biggest thing that happened was, you know, we bought a couple other properties, but I was still working full time. 
My wife was working full time. And as busy professionals, we had to balance our day job responsibilities with, you know, managing the property, which starting out was okay and manageable because we didn't have a whole lot of issues or things like that to deal with. But when we had our first child, that's when I really realized that the route we were taking wasn't one that was solving the problems that I saw fit. And specifically, I remember there was a day where we had a unit turn and I spent most of the day painting that unit. Um, I mean, it was probably like six hours or so, just, you know, prep work, all that stuff, running back and forth to Home Depot. And my wife ended up taking my son to the park that day. It was a Saturday and I just sat there thinking, man, I'm missing this time with my family because I'm in this unit painting. Um, and this is the whole point of me doing this in the first place was so I could have more time with my family. So I wasn't concerned about income. So I wasn't concerned about, you know, the, the controlling my free time. And here I am, you know, painting this unit. So at that moment, I just realized, listen, there's got to be a better way to doing this than trying to just save every dollar. And this notion of working with other people doing larger deals and building more of a professional environment, professional enterprise, that really started to become something that I was looking to pursue as opposed to being more of a, just a, a one man show investor who had, you know, a small portfolio, but I was doing all the work in it. Exactly. So that was a second light bulb moment in your head um, that you needed to grow bigger. So how did you, how did you take that next step? Well, the biggest thing and the reason most people don't do that is you realize that you're limited by your own capital. You know, who wouldn't want to go out and buy a hundred unit apartment complex, but most people just simply don't have the, the resources to do that by themselves. So that was one of those limiting beliefs starting out was like, well, sure, I'd love to buy something that was big enough to hire a professional property management company, maybe bring on some investors, but, you know, I'm, I'm simply not there yet. And that was a thought in my head. Um, and I had a friend. And my friend went from nine units to 90 units in less than 12 months. And I was completely shocked. So I reached out to her. I said, listen, I just want to understand how you did it, because that's remarkable. Um, so we sat down, we had breakfast, and she explained to me that she started working with investors. And working with investors freed her up to, you know, go after more deals, to really not be limited by how much money she had in her bank account. And there was the third light bulb moment, right? Was that, okay, if you work with investors, if you can pull your resources together, now you're no longer limited by what you have in your bank account. And the reason that's important is we stopped looking for deals when we didn't have the money. So I would basically turn on the deal machine and, and look for deals, look for opportunities based on what we had in our account. And then once we bought a deal, I didn't look for a deal for almost a year until we saved up enough money to start prepping for the next deal. And you're going to miss a lot of opportunities like that. What's more important is I had friends and family who were watching us and they were interested in investing in real estate. And when I would tell them how to do it, they would kind of, their eyes would just glaze over, you know, and you realize that they were interested, but they didn't want to do the work. They didn't want to put in the effort. They didn't want to make the sacrifices that it took to actually go out and build your own portfolio. So at that moment, we realized that, you know what, I can probably help these people because we're finding deals and opportunities, but we need more capital to take them down. These people have capital, they have interest, they want to get the cash flow, they want to get the tax benefits, they want to get, you know, a more diversified portfolio. 
but they're not necessarily willing to sacrifice their nights and weekends looking for deals, talking to brokers, analyzing deals, putting in offers, managing tenants. So at that moment, it all kind of came together to say, you know what, we can actually partner with investors. Let's actually formalize this. Let's build a business out of this. Let's work with people. Let's scale. And we're going to go after some larger deals that help our investors as well as help us grow. Exactly. So there's a value add in both respects. Um, I deal with that sometimes where, you know, I have some investors saying, well, you know, I, I, uh, I don't want to do all the work, you know, I don't want to property manage, but, um, you know, I want to, I want to be able to be extremely, you know, active in some respect, which is, which is fine, but they, I don't think they know what, some of them don't know what they're getting themselves into. Um, and then it turns out they ended up wanting to be passive all along, uh, which is, which is not a bad thing. Um, so the part of that, you know, uh, educational curve that you kind of just mentioned as well, um, comes along with building a brand, right. And you, you know, you have a pretty good online presence and a good brand, John, um, how are you able to build that, you know, trust factor? So you're able to bring on investors in that, um, you know, passive role, um, as it relates to multifamily and, and real estate investments, how are you able to um, do that? Uh, is there any formula um, that that you kind of took upon, or did you watch other successful um, operators and syndicators and kind of mimic what they were doing? What was your secret sauce? Yeah, I mean, to your point, Anthony, there's this this Tony Robbins quote, and I don't know if it's from him originally, but uh, most people associated with him, and he says, "Success leaves clues." So there's certainly successful people out there who are, you know, working with investors, raising capital for their deals. And there's certainly a lot to be learned by them. You know, part of it is understanding first and foremost that um, you want to do this and you want to do it at a, at a scale. And my goal wasn't to do large deals. My goal wasn't to be like some huge syndicate or anything like that. All I really wanted was if I found a 20 unit, um, that, you know, there was, there was people in my network that I could reach out to who would invest with me. The challenge is when you're starting out, even if you have your own small portfolio, when you start reaching out to people in your network, you don't know if they're really your true investor profile. Now, they may invest with you because they like you. Maybe some of them are interested or curious about real estate investing, but you have a couple of hurdles to overcome. The first one is, do these people actually care about real estate? Are they interested in investing in real estate? So when you're talking to an aunt, a cousin, a brother, a friend, um, if they don't really understand the power of real estate, if they're not interested in real estate investing, that's a big hurdle to overcome. Now, they may be polite to you, but you're talking to someone who really isn't interested in what you're offering. So it can be a, a weird dynamic because you may be coming across as pushy or, you know, maybe um, it's just not an organic conversation. So they feel like they're being sold. They feel like they're being forced. So you don't want that, right? So the first thing is to figure out whether or not they actually care about real estate. The second thing is understanding how they feel about you. You know, if they respect you, if you've had a great career, if you've had a professional career, do they understand that? Do they understand your accomplishments? Do they understand and respect you in a professional site? Do they like you? Do they trust you? Those are the things that 
you know, are really important for them to really see you in a position as someone that they would entrust their money with. Then the third one is actually the deal. So once you actually have a deal, you know, being able to take a look at that deal and making the decision on whether or not it's a fit for them based on their investing goals. So most people, they just reach out to people in their network. And sometimes that's great and that's sufficient. When I started out, that wasn't because, you know, and part of that may have been me, you know, not knowing what to say or how to position a deal. And I actually had a mentor that, that helped me navigate through that. But I also had 15 years of marketing experience where when I finally looked into the marketing aspects, I realized how to really connect with people and build a brand. So let's, let's talk about building a brand. Yes. Building a brand is really just the way other people perceive you before you enter a room. So it's not the colors. It's not, you know, um, the logo. It's not the website. It's not all of these tactical things. The brand is really just the perception of who you are that precedes you. So if someone says John Kasman or someone says, you know, um, you know, whatever your company is, what's the perception that they have if i say nike or coca-cola or apple or espn or whatever what's that perception you know people are going to have a perception based on the information that's been put out thus far so when you're talking about your brand that's everything you say that's how you dress that's everything that you communicate people are taking in those, that information and they're formulating an opinion so when you are trying to build a brand if you want to be known as someone who is trustworthy, someone who understands multifamily investing, then you have to share information that sells that or tells people about that, right? So doing a podcast, it's a great way to educate people and let them know, hey, I'm interested in multifamily investing and I'm pretty knowledgeable on it. You know, I host this show. I talk to other investors. If you write a blog, if you have a website, if you have sample deals that you can share, you know, those are things that all reiterate that point to other people. So building a brand really comes down to how do you get people to see you in the light that you want to be seen? And I think some folks really overcomplicate it and they assume that it's it's launching a podcast and all these other things. They're helpful. They're absolutely helpful to build a brand and reinforce the position that you're trying to create. But it's not the brand. The brand is just how people perceive you and how much they value you. And for us, it was really important to start attracting new people who I didn't know already and expanding my network, expanding my circle so we could find people who were already interested in real estate investing, in multifamily, and looking for solutions that we had to offer. Awesome. So can you kind of walk our audience through your first larger multifamily deal? So for people who are listening and are like, wow, that sounds, you know, something that I want to be aspiring to do, you know, whether they're working a corporate job right now and they own a few duplexes on the side or even a 10 unit. Um, can you kind of talk about how you took that? Um, I know you mentioned it before with, through partnering, um, but maybe just a little bit more specific and how did you, how did you personally kind of build your trust factor and, and build your brand? You mentioned a few strategies. Um, and like you said, it kind of comes down to being knowledgeable. So having experience, um, you know, uh, edu- you know, good experience and bad experience, um, you know, is, uh, is definitely palatable. So um, could you kind of walk us through that a little bit more? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, when I think about it, there's really three 
important elements if you're starting out to attract capital for deals. Okay. The first one is going to be um, your confidence. The second is going to be your credibility. Third is going to be your connections. So as you are starting out and you're trying to build your brand and having these conversations with people, um, the first thing is your confidence. That's going to be, you know, the way you come across. And that really is a, a derivative of your preparedness. You know, have you educated yourself? Have you done the research? Are you knowledgeable on the subject? Are you knowledgeable about if you're presenting an actual deal? Are you knowledgeable about that deal? But how comfortable are you? How confident are you? So making sure that you can speak intelligently, making sure that you can address concerns and objections that other investors have, you know, understanding what are those frequently asked questions. All of those things are going to make you more confident when you're talking to someone. So making sure you're prepared, making sure you're confident, it's a great way to build your brand. Second thing is credibility. So you talked about some tactical things. When you talk about credibility, it's great to have something that you can uh, point to. That could be anything from an overview document. So if I present someone my company overview or an overview document or you know, drive them to my website or a blog post or whatever, right? But if I can give them content that educates them and positions me as an authority figure on a topic, especially if this is a friend or family member, someone who already knows me, and now I'm giving them a chance to learn more about the topic, that's going to help me be very credible in their eyes. So making sure I have the confidence and credibility, those are two really important aspects. The third thing is going to be the connections. So obviously, if we're talking about friends and family, that's a great place to start. But you will want to expand beyond just the people in your immediate circle if you're looking to raise large amounts of capital for deals. So having those three things together will put you in a position to go out and attract capital for your real estate deals. Now, our first deal, our first large deal, I should say, was 192 units. And that was one where we had a partnership that we had been cultivating for quite some time. And they found a deal that made sense. We were talking to them about it. And we decided to partner and bring some of our investors into that deal. So we helped with marketing. We helped with, you know, a little bit of asset management, the due diligence phase up front with market research, things like that. Um, but then also working with our investors in that deal. So that process, you know, can be overwhelming. It can be kind of scary. But ultimately, it comes down to your preparedness. You know, if you've done your due diligence, if you are you know, confident in the effort, the work that you've put in, it should alleviate some of those challenges, right? And then your conversations with your investors, it's really just reiterating the things that you've already said to them. It's really showing them what you like about the deal. You know, there's certainly some concerns in every single deal. So I don't shy away from that. I like to point out, hey, here are the things that we're keeping our eye on. Here are the things that we're going to be monitoring with this deal. And here's how we're going to react or pivot in case something comes up that's not, you know, uh, down the path that we're looking for. And just being transparent, you know, I think that makes you very trustworthy. If you're confident, but you're also honest, you're not trying to sell someone, you're just simply presenting an opportunity. And you're serving your audience by presenting that opportunity, answering questions, and then letting people make a decision on whether or not it's right for them. Awesome. That's great. Um, what are some resources that maybe you have that help educate, you know, newer investors that want to get involved in something like multifamily is, do you have, what do you, rec what do you recommend? Where do you recommend, you know, people to start? Is it like you mentioned podcasts, podcasts is great. That's one of the reasons why I do mine. And I'm sure that's one of the reasons why you do yours. Um, are there any, you know, books that you recommend or 
any other resources to, you know, expedite the educational process for anybody that's interested? Yeah, I think there's a lot of resources out there and they're kind of in tiers, right? So the first is what I'll call free or low cost tiers. Those are going to be your podcast. Those are going to be your books. Um, you know, and some just to give some, some specifics, you know, I love uh, Multifamily Millions. That's a great book. Uh, the Best Ever Apartment Syndication book uh, by Joe Fairless. That's a phenomenal book. Um, I've already mentioned the ABCs of Real Estate Investor by Kim McElroy. That's a classic. So definitely make sure you check that out. But if you're looking at multifamily, there's multiple books there that you can check out. So some really good books there. Um, if you're looking at podcasts, you know, my show multifamily marketing, target market insights, that's a, a solid, you know, well, I'm biased. So I would say it's a great show. Uh, definitely to, to check out. You're already listening to this show. So if you're listening to this right now, you know, find other, other podcasts that are very similar to this or listen to what Anthony is teaching. And there's a lot of great content that you can grow and develop from. Um, as you look to expand beyond just taking in podcasts, blogs, articles, and books, then the next step is actually building your network. So that's attending meetup events. That's attending live or virtual events and finding ways to connect with other people. So you can talk to other investors, potential passive investors, or you know potential operators. If you're looking to be a passive investor, you can get to vet them a little bit, right? Get to know who they are on a personal level. Get to see how they look at deals. Um, I would get on people's newsletters. If you can find a handful of folks that you think are interesting and have a, their eye on what's going on, sign up for their newsletter, read the emails that they send out, read the articles that they shoot over. Um, that's another great way to learn and grow. So I would say if you do those three things, that should give you a pretty wide array of information to take in without completely overwhelming yourself. Here's the point though. It's one thing to take in information to educate yourself. It's another thing completely to actually take action. So what I would say is certainly educate yourself they get to the point where you're 85% comfortable with the knowledge and then figure out what you need to do to move forward. So if you're looking to start off, I would say either start small. So find a smaller multifamily deal that you can do by yourself or with a partner. Um, look to invest passively. So that way you're not responsible for everything going on, but find a passive deal that you think makes sense so you can learn as you earn um, or hire a mentor. You know, go get a coach, go get a mentor, somebody that can help you uh, navigate the situation, not make mistakes that, you know, are prone to new investors, but find a way to move forward. You know, you don't want to just be a person who reads and listens to podcasts and, you know, goes to events. You want to be a multifamily investor, whether it's passive or active. The goal is to be an investor. So figure out what's holding you back from being an investor today and then remove that obstacle by putting the right people in your life to help you circumvent those challenges. That's great advice, John. Um, so we're going to wrap up the show now. How can people find you? Yeah, so we actually have a, a sample deal on our website. So if anyone is interested in looking at what a sample deal package looks like, you can go to kasmancapital.com slash sample deal. And then you can also check out our podcast, Target Market Insights, the multifamily marketing show. It's available anywhere you listen to podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else. Awesome. And we'll have a link to John's show, uh, Target Market Insights, on our podcast link as well as all our social media platforms. And you can feel free to reach out to John if you want to learn more about uh, what he's up to and, and what his next steps are. Um, but John, I want to thank you again for coming on the show today and um, talking about all these uh, important 
um, uh, strategies uh, when you're you know first starting out or you're trying to expand. Uh, I think that um, I'm excited to see where you end up in the next year or two and would love to have you back on the show then. Thank you, Anthony. Hey, I appreciate it. Thank you for your time today. It was great talking to your audience. And, uh, you know, if I can be of any value to anyone else, please let me know how. Thanks so much.